0: Welcome to The World According to Jackie, and I am super excited because today you are not going to deep dive into my world. You're going to go with me on an exploration. We're going to deep dive into the world according to Kirsten Fry. So Kirsten is coming on, and what's so good about this interview? You're going to have to wait and find out at the end. Ha, 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 It's my show. I can do what I want. All right. So. Kirsten, you are unmuted, and depending on how the computer gods are going to behave, we might get side-by-side, or it might be speaker view. Either way, I know that there is something you are celebrating, and I just cannot wait for you to tell the world what it is.
1: Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Jackie. I appreciate you inviting me on your podcast today. It's very exciting to be a part of this. What I'm celebrating today is actually sharing this time with you because I think in the last three months, as we've been navigating through this whole COVID experience, we're experiencing it on a global level, which is pretty incredible as the collective. But really, we're all experiencing this on a very individual level as well. Mm -hmm. And so I feel what we've been missing out on for a lot of us is that connection, that personal connection that we are so used to as human beings and what we need. So I really appreciate being able to share this time with you and your listeners uh, today.
0: Cool. All right. I accept all of that. And I'm going to ask you again, what are you celebrating today?
1: I am celebrating following actually my own path in terms of my own grief work. So as um, you may know, I am a personal transformation coach and a certified grief recovery specialist, which all that means is that I help people transition through their um, changes and transitions in their own life, as well as in losses that may be occurring to them. But what's happening for me is I'm actually having the opportunity to continue to do some of my own grief work today. And so uh, I'm happy to be able to share this from a really authentic place with you.
0: Well, there is nothing truer than the fact that it's physician heal thyself. No matter what field we go into, at least this has been my experience, it's always been because I needed to know whatever that was. And my clients got the benefit of it as kind of a a side note. Sorry, clients, but the reality (laughs) is I'm in the center of my own world. I went on my journey to cure myself of depression, that and a chronic back pain. Those were the two things that pushed me. What was pushing you that you went into grief work?
1: What was interesting is that I had grown up like so many of us with this sort of misinformation and myths that we tend to have around grief. The -hmm. old story of uh, being strong and grieving alone and, there's several others, but those were the two that I latched onto, those were my banners. Like I wore them loud and proud. And of course, with my background as a police officer for 18 years, it was easy to have that be part of who I was and, and my persona. Um, unfortunately, some of these myths and misinformation that we learned growing up, it doesn't serve us when we go through these losses that we have in our life. And not just losses through Um, physical death or divorce or even the breakup of relationships, but there's more than like 40 other life experiences, which many of us are going to experience throughout our lifetime. And that's what had happened to me is that I had dealt with the losses that had occurred to me, um, but from an intellectual, logical perspective. So I used my intellect to deal with what was happening with me, because that's what I've been taught how to do. And we default to our our logic and our intellect most often, because we use our brains most of the time. Um, But the problem with grief is that it is emotional. It's not logical. So trying to use our brain to heal our heart is the wrong tool for the job. And so what had happened is that I had had an emotional reaction at the time of the loss, I had tried to figure it out and make sense of it in my own mind. I had um, accepted it and adapted to the loss and then moved on, or so I thought. <laughs>
0: <All> <laughs>
1: and, right. then and what did oh,
0: happened- the pause button? Because the loss. Kirsten, what were you not grieving at the time? So there were multiple.
1: I had had accumulative losses throughout my life, including... Um, deaths in my family, obviously, um, deaths of colleagues uh, when I was a police officer, as well, including a couple of people that were very close to me. Um, I had dealt with um, a divorce. I have dealt with two miscarriages. I then found out four years ago that I was adopted. And that was sort of the straw that broke the camel's back for me.
0: Whoa! Okay. Yep. So, your reality. The bedrock of reality is our family of origin. And four years ago, that bedrock had a uh, systemic fault in it. It surely did. Oh, that's a seismic event. So was. all of those other previous things that had not been grieved emotionally, but only mentally, just collapsed on you at that moment is what it sounds like. That's exactly what happened. Got it. We don't go into what we go into for ourselves alone, yeah. but it's always our need that drives us.
1: I've heard that uh, our mess is our message. Ah, that's yeah. what I've heard before. So. Well, I
0: know who's famous for that quote. So, yeah. <laughs> Kristen, four years ago, I mean, that's pretty recent. So four years ago, this fault line opened up and everything that you thought was true fell into it.
1: What happened next?
0: Well, that was an interesting story.
1: I had, I actually, I was a personal trainer and holistic nutritionist at the time that I found out. And what brought, what came up for me when I found out, and because all of my family members had died. So there was nowhere to get completion with this. There was no way to get the answers to the questions of like, why, why the secret, why, you know, wasn't I told and all of these things prior to. So what happened was there were a lot of unanswered questions that I came to terms with, but again, finding that out, I flipped what into what I knew best. And that was sort of my, police mode, right? Right into cop mode, trying to make sense of it, try to run an investigation on what had happened. And really, there were no answers. So I adapted to what I thought had happened. And like I said, I thought I um, had accepted it and moved on. But what happened within about a year and a half after that was I was starting to have physical manifestations. So I was having pains in my chest that were consistent, that i couldn't find a medical reason for and because of my background as a personal trainer and nutritionist I knew how to take care of my body and I was very in touch with when things were out of whack so um even having gone to the doctors and all kinds of tests and there was no physical reason for me to be feeling these um heart palpitations and achiness. It was like this persistent achiness that was there all the time to a point where I was catching myself, like actually rubbing my chest or tapping on it, almost like um, to comfort myself on a subconscious way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so due to, I had a girls weekend away where some things came up around, um, at that time I left personal training and I had started my own business as a transformational coach which is so ironic that I had my own transformation happening for me at the time. And so it made me ask the question like, what is happening here? I don't have the tools. To, I had tried everything that I knew up to that point and I had done a lot of personal development work since my 20s. So I had a lot of tools to pull out of my toolbox, but none of them were helping me at this point. And I was very fortunate to find a grief recovery specialist who is amazing and uh, truly she has been my mentor through these last two and a half years going through this um, transition for myself. And it started me on the path to doing my own grief work. And it was like, as soon as I started doing that, Jackie, right away, I knew this was what I was meant to be doing. This was what I needed, not just to heal my own heart, but to help other people. It made me realize how many of us are walking around wounded, feeling like we're not seen, we're not heard, we're not understood, and people feeling alone because all of us have grown up with these six myths and misunderstandings around grief and so for me it was like once you know something and you want it there's something that we can do to help relieve someone else's pain or suffering we're not it's not our responsibility to take it from them or take it away from them but if we can do something to help soothe them or ease that process as they go through it then i would i want to do that for people and so that's what got me on the Road to actually getting my own certification as a grief recovery specialist and I'm thrilled to do this work now.
0: That's such a lovely story. This whole idea of there was a moment where the world kind of shifted for you and you went from your head to your heart and it takes a guide. I'm gonna be honest, the, diff- the distance from my head to my heart, is the longest flipping journey I ever went on in my life. And having a guide just shortens that journey. So I'm super happy that you're doing what you're doing. Yeah, you know that my mission, my goal is to put you out of business in at least one area because I'm on a mission to make suicide a thing of the past, which is a huge um, hole that grief falls into. But I'm going to, while you were talking, (laughs) I've got two things that came up. And one was the idea, and I'm going to talk about my two, and then we're going to talk about your six. So my two, the first one was this idea that not finding the answers when you went into investigative mode Mm -hmm. turned out to be a blessing. Because it allowed you to go deeper and to actually find final answers, to find things that would allow you to heal. So just anybody who's feeling like they're hitting their head against a wall, call that wall your personal warrior and just turn around and look at what else you're not seeing. Now, the second thing that came up to me was an old song, old because I'm old, um, from the 70s. And it's called For What It's Worth. And there's a line that says, what's happening here? What it is ain't exactly clear. And it was all about the time of the Vietnam War where things were shifting. And we were a country that was thrown into things to grieve because who we thought we were in the world was being challenged on a systemic level. Who we thought we were as a country was being challenged on a systemic level. And that's happening again, but this time it's not just our country. This time we are participating in the first ever global experience. I mean, barring stories of a flood, this is the first time in history that we have a global human experience occurring. And I'm gonna just put out there what I think is true. And Kirsten, you can push back. I think we're all grieving something. We've all lost something in this current, what I call the COVID cocoon. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So now that I'm going to bring everybody onto the same page, we've all lost something, people. I don't care what it is that you haven't identified yet, but nothing is the way it was six months ago. And so coming from that perspective, Kirsten, you have six, Steps. Six, I don't, do you call them steps?
1: They're just six myths that that we operate on when we're dealing with a loss that we experience.
0: All right, let's go on a myth-busting expedition. I <laughs> love myth-busting. Go for it. Myth-busters. There we go. So the
1: first myth that we have is that uh, it don't feel sad or don't cry. And most of these myths or this misinformation that we get, we normally hear when we're quite young. So it happens usually within, before the time that we're seven. And so we hear this from our parents or we observe it as they are experiencing losses. We listen to what we're told because of course we trust uh, the authority figures in our life, whether it be our parents or teachers or clergy or coaches.
0: Or the song we heard on the radio.
1: Yep. And so the whole thing around don't, By the time we're 15, we have 24,000 inputs that teach us that to feel sad is bad. Mm -hmm. So we hear this all the time, even as little people, we fall down, we hurt ourselves, we break our bike, you know, our parents come over, clean us all up. It's like, don't feel sad. It's okay. And here's a cookie. (laughs) <laughs> you know, and so I remember
0: that remark, actually,
1: we all do. And so these are the lessons that we learn that somehow it's, it's bad to feel sad, and that um, people don't feel comfortable around us when we are feeling sad. So we take that further on as we move through our life. And um, we just continue to carry that through and we keep seeing results of that as well. Because we hear that big boys, big girls don't cry, man up. You know, you know, don't be up. And then they use a a word that we're not going to use on the podcast. But we hear this all the time in terms of like, as if there's something wrong when we show our emotional feelings. So we get very good at putting a mask on very early in our life. The second myth is replace the loss. And again, we tend to see this early on in life, usually with the loss of a pet is normally what happens for a lot of us where our family dog dies. Uh, of course, our parents don't want to see us in pain and upset. So it's like, don't feel sad. So the don't feel sad bad works with the replace the loss often. They go in tandem. We'll get you a new dog next week. So we go out and get a new dog, which does fill the physical space of not having the dog. And but be- down the yes. But the relationship we had with the dog that died is very different from the relationship that we have with the new dog. And so that's what it is. Loss is about the relationship to the person or the experience that we're having. And it's unique to every one of us to circle back to what you're saying around our experience with this pandemic again we're all experiencing this very uniquely some people from a health perspective some people from a financial or job loss perspective you know we're we're seeing even with our children not having the same routine and seeing the same people when we go to school and doing the same activities that we do and the connections and the relationships that we have for the people from there that's where the losses happen so when we talk about 40 different life experiences, we're talking about things like retirement, moving, you know, any kind of change in our health, our finances, our career, our relationships. And this also includes intangible losses, Jackie, like loss of trust or safety or security, which again, a lot of people may be experiencing right now as we go through um, this global phenomenon that we're all having. So the replace the loss is a big one, because again, we hear that so early on. And so what we learn is just to replace that relationship so think about when we're in high school and we have that first big heartbreak in that romantic relationship and we hear things like oh there's plenty of fish in the sea he or she wasn't right for you there's plenty of other people don't you worry Um, don't feel bad about that and what happens is because we remain incomplete with that relationship it goes into the backpack. It's almost like we put a rock into that backpack. So we put that on our backs and we carry that on into our next relationships. So until we actually get complete with the loss where we felt that heartbreak, we may be carrying that rock in our backpack into further relationships moving on. So sometimes we might be sabotaging future relationships because we actually haven't dealt with and completed the emotional loss that we had with the original one.
0: I heard you say something and I'm gonna challenge it. You said sometimes we sabotage a current relationship based on the past. I'm like all the time, every day, every relationship I've ever been in had an element of self-sabotage into it because of unresolved negative emotional history, which is my neutral way of saying stuff I hadn't grieved.
1: Yes, I couldn't agree with you more. It is. It's almost always, the things that I look at now, so when people come to me when we're looking at people being stuck in their lives, like whether it's in relationship or career or their health, um, losing weight, like whatever the situation is, as you peel away some of the layers, almost always underneath, there's an incomplete loss in there. There's an unresolved grief in there underneath somewhere.
0: Cool. All right. So we've covered what, three myths? So the don't feel sad and
1: replace the loss. The next one is grieve alone. So again, this was one of the ones that I took on because that was what was um, shown to me as I went through my relationships. Our family life was emotionally distant in our house. So it was very much, my parents were very private And so we learned when my mother lost her dad, so my paternal grandfather, I remember seeing my mom crying, which in and of itself was very unusual and feeling bad for her and wanting to go comfort her, but being told your mom just needs time. She just needs to be left alone on her own. She'll be fine. And so you learn this, that to grieve alone is what we do, right? If you're gonna cry, go to your room, right? We hear this a lot. Um, And the fourth one is to be strong. And again, that was one that I definitely took on that somehow we have to be strong for ourselves or for others. So
0: stiff upper lip.
1: Oh, yeah. And that's generational. Like these are lessons that our parents learned from their parents. And this is why I feel it's so important and I'm so appreciative of you allowing me to come on and and do your podcast because it's the education. It's these myths that don't allow us to move past these losses that we've had when there's other ways where we could open it the door so that people feel comfortable being able to express themselves in moments of pain and loss and share that with people where they feel that they're actually seen and heard. The fourth one is time heals. And this is a big one where we hear this time heals all wounds. And it's a myth because the only thing that happens is time passes. It's actually the action that we take within that time frame that helps us heal that loss that we've had. So there's an analogy that I like to use, and it's a little bit ridiculous, but you'll understand. So say you have a flat tire. And so you get out of your car and you sit on the side of the road and you look at this glass tire and I'm like, darn, the tire's flat. And boy, I sit here and wish that, wow, I wish that tire wasn't flat anymore. Well, if you sit there long enough, time's going to pass, but nothing's going to happen to that flat tire. And you're just going to remain where you are stuck on the side of the road so what we can do the actions are well we can either pick up our cell phone and call you know the local tow truck people to come in and save us from that or we change the tire ourselves so it's then we get in the car and then we get to continue on our way and it's the same way with grief if we just wait for time to pass and feel like that's going to heal our heart unfortunately that's not what happens it's the action that we take within that time And then to go with that is staying busy. So that's the final myth, to stay busy. And we hear this frequently. And in our Western culture, we are all about staying busy it's how can we fill our time and that allows us to not really connect with what's happening with ourselves emotionally and we have so many things around us that can distract us and keep us occupied so that we don't have to feel those painful feelings and allow them to come up and be expressed through us because Jackie as you know with the work that you do with suicide prevention is that emotions are not meant to be stoppered up or suppressed or buried like It's energy in motion, like in the word itself, it's emotion. So energy is supposed to move through us with those emotions. And when we don't allow that to happen, that's when things stopper up. That's when pressure starts to build. And then ultimately there is going, something's going to blow at some point.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Well, you got that right. And I was like, oh my God. And I know you haven't seen my TEDx talk because they haven't released it. And yet this is the first step when I'm giving my six steps for how to have conversations that truly matter. When I'm giving the advocate training program, the first step is always be willing to stop being busy. Yes. And so I love the fact that that was included in your six myths is that staying busy is going to help no staying busy will help you get worse staying busy will help you stay stuck staying busy will actually help you end up having more degree yeah and unfortunately that's so true and yet we're
1: celebrated for as a culture of like the it's almost like the more productive we are and the more that we do the, the better off we're going to be. And it's actually celebrated, which, you know, I think even gonna, with this I'm pandemic. Gonna
0: challenge, I'm going to challenge it because you equated busy and productive in the same sentence. And I think they are two separate things. Okay. We're celebrated for being busy. You know, people talk about, oh, by the way, 20 years ago, 25 years ago, it was, I'm so stressed. Now mm-hmm. it's, I'm so busy. Okay, it's just the badge that we wear that makes yeah. people feel like, you know, that old misery loves company. <laughs> we are miserable, but we call it being busy. It has nothing to do with being productive. If we were being productive, we wouldn't have time to stand around and talk about being busy. Mm-hmm. But busy activates different chemicals in our brains and allows us to put off the processing of emotions. So now that we know the six myths that we've all grown up with and that are really prevalent right now, especially this one about being busy. I mean, the one about time heals, I think people are having to face up to the reality that time has nothing to do with it, yeah. But this one about don't grieve in public caught my attention because there, I mean, I raised my kids on the classics and the newer classics, meaning musicals, by the way, (laughs) was Grease. And there's a song in the movie Grease. Is that the worst thing I could do? And in this song, she says, no, the worst thing I could do would be to let let you see me cry. And so this culturally induced mantra is in everything. That we do. It's in so many great movies. And the challenge is that it stopped me from showing up authentically
1: Exactly.
0: for over 20 years because I couldn't let anybody see me grieve. Now, I'm one of the lucky ones. For those who don't know my story, My daughter attempted suicide multiple times when she was a teenager, she survived. So I'm one of the lucky ones in the fact that my daughter is still here. But let me tell you what not grieving, because what did I lose? The night that she attempted the first time, I lost this shell. I lost the facade that our family was functional that we were normal, that life was stable or heaven forbid, predictable. Everything broke apart in that moment. And I spent 20 years trying to pretend that there weren't any cracks in that facade.
1: And how much energy did you use, Jackie, keeping up that facade?
0: Well, let's see. I became certifiable, meaning I'm certified in multiple Eastern healing arts. I'm certified in Transformational mediation. I am certain I went on a quest. Mm-hmm. Why? Because the internalization of what I didn't grieve led to what the medical profession diagnosed as clinical depression
1: right.
0: more than once. And that's what kept spurring me. But yeah, I became certifiable. I have certifications in a wide variety of things, all on this journey to actually get to a place where I could accept what I had lost in that moment. Because we don't go backwards when we lose yeah. something. Now, other things come. And sometimes we think we lost something and we really didn't, you know, like Dorothy, if I ever lose my heart's desire, I won't go looking any further than my own backyard. Yeah, you know, like I said, the classics. Uh, the reality is that in that moment, how other people perceived me was more important than allowing myself to feel because growing up, feelings were dangerous.
1: Yes. It was so, almost like being
0: vulnerable meant we were weak. Um exactly. It, and and it's not even like if it's exactly that, Kirsten. In the world that I was raised in being vulnerable, sharing any information, gave other people a weapon they could use against me.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. So that was the energetics. Now I've got crazy karma. How do we know I have crazy karma? My partner is Jewish. He's conservative Jewish. So he grew up with questions. I grew up in a world where somebody asked me a question, my immediate reaction was defensive. Why? Because if I gave them any information, they would use it against me. He can't stop asking questions because that's how he was raised. (laughs) So thank God, because it put me under enough pressure that I finally had to look at what's the problem here. Yeah. And I was living a lot of mythology, which is why I love this with you, because let's just myth bust it all. Okay. So now that you've given us the six myths, give us a path out of mythology. What's real?
1: What's real is that we're not alone.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and that's the thing. And and
1: I have owned that. That was that was a mythology that I lived as well. And um it was the mask and it was the warrior shield I put up and ready to fight and have to work at it. And at the end of the day, I was actually the one that was building the barriers to true authentic connection and love and support that was available to me, but I wasn't able to recognize it and or accept it or allow it. So if I had any message for anyone, it really is, we are not alone we all experience this as human beings, that our losses and our griefs are part of our experience. They are our teachers to teach us so many things that we may not have been able to learn otherwise. And there is the support there available when you can find the right people for you. Because what I have found also is because we all grew up with these myths, it's difficult for people to hold that space sometimes because they're operating under those same myths. So it's challenging for some people to just be a heart with ears without trying to feel like they have to jump in and fix something for you or give you advice or be judgmental about the experience that you're going through at that time.
0: So I'm just going to, I love that line, by the way. I'm I'm typing it up for myself. All right. So not everyone can be a heart with ears in the moment that we want to speak.
1: Especially if they have unresolved grief themselves.
0: Well, whatever the reason is, um, the greatest book I ever read was How to Stop Smiling and Start Vetching. It was a book on creative complaining. And it says that to start off a conversation, the first question is to ask someone, do they have space for you to vetch? K- right. K-E-T-E-C-H, for those who don't know that word. Um, you, you, we ask, because otherwise, we, they might not be ready to be a heart with ears. They may not have the space. Without judgment, without needing to figure out what's going on with them, because as soon as I start thinking about, oh my god, what's wrong, I'm not doing my own process anymore. That's right. All right. So we got the first one. We're not alone. The second one is not everyone is available at every second. Got that. Cool. What's the third one?
1: The third one is to do our own work, to be able to find those resources or people that can help us wherever we are in that moment. Because there's always a solution for every problem. It's just sometimes we have to go outside the normal box to find it.
0: Got it. All right, we do our own work with help. Okay. Yes. I haven't gotten anywhere on my path without a mentor, a guide, a, now the word is Sherpa. The, the bottom line is that somebody had to go first to be the trailblazer. Now there are places where I'm the trailblazer, but when it came to my own grieving, I needed someone else to have laid down a path. So look for the trailblazers who can help you. Exactly. Get it? Yeah, you got it, bang on. Oh and they're not going to carry you, you still got to walk it. Mm -hmm. Okay, cool. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So I know that there's more to the story. So is there another step in this journey that you want to share? Because otherwise, I want to tell people how they can get more information about grief work.
1: The the steps are not just um, the learning or the knowledge around grief or loss, but it's actually being able to take those recovery steps and those action steps to move you towards healing. So there are actions that we can take ourselves so that we can heal our own hearts.
0: Action will be required. Got it. It's not a passive thing. Correct. Well, thank God for that
1: amen right (laughs) which is kind of nice for those of us that feel sometimes when we feel like things have happened to us outside of our control to know that there are things that we can do ourselves helps to make us feel that it's not so out of control
0: anymore what they know about ptsd is that it tends to occur most often when you're in a position where you cannot move, where you cannot take action at the moment of crisis.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And it's because the muscle memory is so powerful if the muscles can't move. So this makes perfect sense to me, because action, guess what people, action is not thinking, action is not sedentary. Action requires muscle engagement. And the moment you start moving your muscles, your body starts processing chemicals differently. So I love that. All right, so we've got, we're not alone. Not everyone can be a heart with ears when at the moment that we're thinking of talking. So it's okay to call more than one person. We have to do our own work with help, but no matter how brilliant your mentor or guide is, you've still gotta be willing to walk it, which leads perfectly into the fact that action will be required, whatever that walk looks like for you. And it can look very different. I had no clue when I was on my journey that the action that was required was going to be for me to start hosting live in-person events. Why was that the action that was required? because it was at my own event that my daughter broke the silence on her multiple suicide attempts in a very public way. And if she had done it any other way, I probably could have found a way to ignore it and stay busy. So my crazy karma, you know, we've all got it. The action that I took to build my business ended up being the action that opened the door for my grief and my grieving to happen. So don't get attached to what you think it's gonna look like is my suggestion to everybody. All right, cool, Kirsten, where else do we need to go?
1: Um, I think to keep it nice and tidy, that's exactly where we need to be.
0: All right, so anyone listening, anyone engaged, anyone who is ready to maybe take one more step, just one, one step down the path of moving through the emotion How would they reach out to you, Kirsten, if they want more information?
1: Oh, that's wonderful. You can reach me at my website at www.tlclifecoaching.com.
0: Got it. www.tlc. We all know what that stands for. Life. Maybe we don't. Okay. What does TLC mean in your world? So TLC is Transitions
1: Life Coaching, which is my I business. But of that. course, TLC, we all need that TLC. So it was just beautiful for me the way yeah, that worked there, out. There we go.
0: So TLC, Tender Loving Care, lifecoaching.com. Kirsten, thank you so much for being willing to come on the show and share the six myths and bust them with the four truths that will lead people through grief without staying stuck quite so long. There is no timeline.
1: There are not. the other
0: thing that I came away with. This whole concept that time heals is not true. (laughs) However you process it is however you process it. And for someone who transitions through loss that other people say is cataclysmic, and your transition does not take a lot of linear time. I'm going to invite you into the space that however you do it is good enough. And that other people's expectations of how long you quote should grieve have nothing to do with your reality. Just be a heart with ears in that moment for them, except that they're projecting their process onto you and just have your own process, whether your process is short or long in linear time matters not Truly. But, yeah. So there we go. All right. So I tried to put a bow on it. TLC life And we have been in the world, according to Kirsten Fry. Kirsten, thank you so much for being part of this journey and sharing these myths and steps with the tribe.
1: Thank you, Jackie.